Well, thank you for joining me today on Financially Speaking. My name is Mitch Slater. I'm a Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with UBS Wealth Management in Westfield, New Jersey. Where along with my partners, Anne and Crystal, we do our best to bring you advice beyond investing and address our clients' most challenging financial needs. It's my sincere hope that each and every episode of this podcast will educate you on personal finance and real-life business issues of the day. So let's jump right in. Let's keep it real. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, how can I improve my financial education and wellness? But in my opinion, and when you hear all the statistics, whether you are a parent, grandparent, or part of any younger generation, at the end of the day, I can't think of a smarter goal for all Americans, and honestly, the whole planet, than getting started and learning basic financial literacy. Wait till you hear the statistics. I have done a number of episodes on this topic because this topic is mission critical. So this week, I sat down with Sneha Patel, a senior product manager of a really cool company called EverFi that is doing something about this problem every single day and delivering a Netflix-type menu of digital financial education courses for K-12 through students globally. Sneha, as you will hear, has a master's in education and knows this topic cold. And in this episode, we'll talk about why teaching the financial fundamentals early is critical for lifelong success, whose responsibility it is to teach, meeting kids where they are. And what really excited me is that my firm, UBS, has partnered with EverFi to help our clients and their kids in a very cool program you'll hear more about in the episode. So sit back, take some notes, and remember, your financial life may be simple or rather complex, and doing it well takes a lot of factors. And that is why the education and planning process needs to address the reality that a lot of people don't really want to talk or think about it. But on this show... Financially speaking, we do. Enjoy the episode and feel free to share this with your friends and family or reach out to me with any questions about the EverFi program at UBS. So I find it impossible to start our conversation without quoting former Chairman Alan Greenspan when he correctly stated years ago, the number one problem in today's generation and economy is the lack of financial literacy. It is so obvious to so many of us, and I see it every day in my job and life, is that regardless of socioeconomic status, the financial habits that youth form now will inform bigger financial solutions in the future. And this is a topic that is really, really personal with me, not only as a financial advisor for the last 32 years and witnessing firsthand with every generation that we work with, but I still cannot believe in 2021 in the greatest economy in the world, the biggest gap in our overall education is financial literacy. Just blows me away. So let's get right into it. From your impressive experience in this world and now developing digital financial education, are we better off today than when Greenspan said this back in the 1990s, Sneha? So I think one thing to think about here is looking at what kind of requirements we have around this education. 
it's kind of been stop and go. The advancements in requiring this education has been stop and go and in some ways stagnant. So there's a couple things to think about. First is the personal finance, if it's included in standards that teachers have to teach. Since the 90s, this has grown. It's gone from 20 to 45%, but it kind of went stagnant at 2009. So the last like 12 years, we haven't seen that grow at all. Then we can look at if the standards are actually required to be taught. And we see very similar numbers, 14% to 37 in the time between the 90s to 2011. And then from 2011 until now, we haven't seen any growth in that area where we're requiring that these financial literacy classes be taught. And then we see that when they're even incorporated into these standards, are they being required on standardized testing? We know how much pressure is on teachers to actually teach things that show up on these tests. So if you put financial literacy in there, they will be more likely to teach it and make sure it's a core part of their curriculum. But we're seeing that there has been basically steady low levels of appearance on these assessments. So we know that's not happening. So our current state, we have 21 states that require students to take personal finance, 25 states that require some sort of economics, so not directly personal finance. And we're seeing that testing is just not happening. So overall, we're in a state where there is more access to this education. And I think personally here at EverFi, we really focus on that. But we're not seeing the requirements in schools. And that's where we really get the momentum to make sure that students are required to have this education as they grow older. Absolutely. So let's talk about EverFi for a minute. And I'd love to hear kind of what the founding mission was. EverFi, for those that don't know, had the dubious honor of joining the world in 2008, right in the middle of the financial crisis. But I'd kind of like to hear what, you know, it's even more relevant today from the mission. Definitely. So EverFi was founded on the mission of closing that educational divide that exists for children in low to moderate income communities. And we kind of do this by working closely with the nation's school districts to train teachers, provide free digital learning, and it's all solely funded by the private sector companies and organizations. So they're trying to make a difference in their communities. And to close that social inequity gap that's there, that's that's kind of toward our, our founding mission. So since its founding, EverFi's digital learning has reached over 41 million learners across K-12, higher education, and adult markets. So we've done a lot to move toward making sure that that knowledge and that education is available for students and adults. And that's been a big difference from when we started to now, but we've seen that financial literacy is equally important today as it was during that 2008 financial crisis. Absolutely. So as a financial advisor over you know three decades, the single most important thing for my team is to educate our clients. And I noticed in one of your studies that over 50% of consumers are hesitant to approach their financial institutions because they feel bad. They don't know the lingo. They had zero financial education. And quite frankly, that number doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, it actually seems low, which is why our practice today and my practice throughout my career has always focused on advice beyond investing. But the reality, as I've learned from my years serving on my town's board of education for two terms and also being part of the team that helped mandate financial literacy in my state of New Jersey, along with my good friend, Neil Godfrey, during uh, when Governor Corzine was the governor, 
it, it's the problem starts at a much earlier age. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why teaching the fundamentals so early is critical for lifelong success. Yeah, definitely. And to throw some additional numbers there, research shows that by age three, kids can start grasping basic money concepts. They're already ready at such a young age. And by seven, many of their money habits are already set. If we think about as you're growing the habits that you had, they didn't just develop when you were a teenager. They happened to develop when you were a lot younger. That seems kind of astounding to a lot of folks, but it actually makes a lot of sense when you think about how you grow and develop. Finances and money seem like a grown-up concept, but the values and habits and many behaviors are developed pretty early. Like if we take the parallel of healthy eating habits, for example, I happen to have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old at home. Since they were little, we talked about eating habits, like why do we choose to eat less sugar or why do we eat more vegetables? It's not that I'm going and hiding the sugar in the pantry on a really high shelf and never talking about it. I'm thinking about it as, let me explain this to them. So not only can they follow the rules right now, but actually implement that in their life later. So in the same way, those caregivers, especially those who have struggled financially, have kind of this natural tendency to not want to talk about finances since it's super uncomfortable, like you said. But imagine like this core memory forming in a child as they go to the car dealership with their parent who is deciding to take them and have them be part of the experience. And they're speaking openly about why they prefer a used car or why they prefer to buy instead of lease or why they need a loan. Is all of it going to stick for a seven-year-old? I, I don't think so. But what will stick is those kind of financial values, the idea that you can talk about these things in an open conversation with your parents or caregivers, that you have to be thoughtful about money and it's important to be thoughtful. And they learn softer skills like decision-making, goal-setting, negotiating, and it all serves them in financial aspects and otherwise as well. So I'm really excited for my son, who is only seven, to go through our early elementary vault course, financial literacy for elementary age students, because since the very first tooth that fell out and he got those coins from the tooth fairy, Mm -hmm. he started to ask about money already. So he's interested in, well, not only just the money that he got, but the job of tooth fairy and how they earn money in that job and things like that. So the interest starts early. And I think it's just really exciting to be in a place where we can provide kind of this amazing content to kids so they can have smart habits that carry them through their lives. Get a financial life, broke millennials, money doesn't grow on trees, how to raise financially educated children. These are all books by wonderful authors and speakers, many of whom I've had on this show and have worked with over the years, like Neil Godfrey, like Beth Kobliner and Erin Lowry, who is kind of known as the broke millennial. They've been spreading this gospel for years, but not until the digital age have we been able to really connect with the younger generation. And one of the things that I really, really love about whatever FI is doing is how you are meeting kids where they are to get the message to stick And I would imagine during this pandemic period and where kids are, you know, general, mostly teaching and learning from home, maybe give us some examples of how you guys are accomplishing that even before the pandemic and maybe some things that that actually might be a silver lining with all of this. Yeah. One of the core processes we have when we create a course 
and it's my favorite, is user testing. I absolutely love talking to kids and teachers while we're building a course. So we can't do anything in a vacuum. If we want to engage students, there's no way we can do that with our adult brains to know what they exactly want to experience. So in the course that I just mentioned, Vault, we knew the standards teachers have to teach and the concepts that research shows is critical for this age group. So with that said, we built exciting stories and fun interactions and put the work of learning on the kids so they can feel challenged in the same way that they do in their favorite games that they're playing out for just for fun whenever they have some time. So can they learn financial literacy concepts while traveling through dimensions? We think they can. And we, we do make it, we make that a reality. So when it comes to older students, we approach it a little bit differently. All of our audiences are unique and we take their feedback and we think about what would be helpful. So for older students, it's all about these major pitfalls and these uncomfortable experiences that they're about to go through as young adults and giving them the tools to better understand the system that they have to live in. So for example, we have a course, Pathways, it's our financing higher education course, and we knew students would feel incredibly uncomfortable calling a student loan servicer or having any phone conversation really, but especially with the student loan servicer. Yes. So to resolve issues, to resolve issues with their loans. So then we created an experience so that students have a conversation in kind of a safe, risk-free environment, and they were able to practice those skills in this environment before they went out and did it with the real loan servicer. And in the same way in our core EverFi financial literacy course, we put in tax forms and walk students through filling them out. And then we had stories from students who were like, I kept this open on the side while I was filling out my taxes so that I knew exactly what I was doing. And that's incredibly gratifying to see like the importance of education in their lives and being directly applicable to what they're doing. Yeah, and if they 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 just don't get this at home, and I, I probably have said this a million times, but it's it's something that my my friend Neil Godfrey, who who wrote Money Doesn't Grow on Trees, and who's been speaking on this topic for so many years, in all of the seminars that I did with her, and in, and and everything else, and the PBS and specials and Oprah, she was on twenty times. She always talked about the Donna Reed generation, and basically that was a TV show in the 1950s and 60s. And mom would be vacuuming, wearing pearls and dad would come home and have his slippers ready and they'd sit down and all eat dinner at six o'clock. And, and that was their life. And actually, as hard as it is to believe, it was actually maybe not on television, but in real life, more families were having the sex talk than the money talk. And that's something that, you know, was just, just been, just been amazing to me. And I, I remember Back in 2008 and 2009, when my kids were 11 and uh, 15, I think at the time, something like that, I really wanted them to understand what was going on. At the, at the time, I was working for a firm, a different firm, and the owner of that firm, the main bank, was in a lot of trouble. I don't know if I'd have a job. I didn't know what was going to happen. I certainly knew that the, the value of, of my investments had dropped dramatically. And I wanted my kids to get a sense of what kind of money we were spending. So what I actually did, this was an idea that I got from Neil, is I went to the bank and I got the money in cash. And I gave them a sense of the bills. I brought up, paid the bills in front of them, basically, and showed them, okay, you know, you really want to have cable. This is what that goes for. You know, this is the your game box games. 
If you want to buy one a month, that's what it goes for. But then on the other hand, we have this thing called a mortgage that we have to pay. We have this thing called property taxes that we have to pay. There's a water bill. There's the electric bill. There's the gardener, whatever else it was, not that, you know, these are all essential items, but I wanted to give them an idea of what that really cost. And I think the more that the younger generation gets to learn about that, the less problems they're going to have with student debt. And we can do an entire, you know, 25 episodes on student debt. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's so incredible. And one of the things that I'm really happy about is that my firm UBS has partnered with EverFi in working with not only advisors like myself on helping to educate, but with our clients and their kids. So I thought we'd talk a little bit for a moment about how that's working. Maybe you can share a story uh, in that environment. Yeah, definitely. We are so proud of our partnership with UBS. We've been working with you since 2015 to arm your financial advisors with like four age-appropriate financial education courses ranging from elementary school to young adults just getting started after their college years. So in addition to financial education, UBS also can share the 306 African-American history courses, a digital course that kind of brings to life the important leaders and events whose impact changed the fabric of American life. Excellent. So while I don't work directly with you on that program, my colleagues, I had a chance to speak with them and they gave me a few good stats along with that. So we have more than 2,000 financial advisors sharing the program with their clients and families. And one story that I heard was there was a financial advisor who had one client whose father had his college-age son take all of the courses. That means starting at the elementary school level. And not only did the son learn a lot, even from the elementary all the way through young adult, he was just more engaged and the whole family got on board with this education. And overall, the financial advisors are leveraging this financial education program, and it can help with those conversations about money and getting them started in houses across America. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I was listening to an interview with your CEO, and he was referring to the digital menu like like a Netflix kind of setup. You know, you have so many things to choose from. And I, I think that's great. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, the pandemic. And one of the things also I read about that I thought was really interesting is that you were able to pivot a little bit. Resilience has kind of been the key word. And Guy Raz has been a guest on my show and is kind of a personal hero. And I love his his podcast, which uh, has around 110 million more listeners than this show. But I'm proud and happy that anyone is listening today. But what I saw is that you guys are doing this compassion passion project with LinkedIn because, you know, adults need help too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. EverFi was uniquely positioned in this pandemic to provide a service, right? Like to be of service to those who need help right now at this time. And our resources, they're already digital. Teachers already have access to them, everything they needed, no cost. We focus on working on those critical life skills, which is kind of where compassion comes in. It's more of a social emotional learning. And that's something that's really lacking in this environment of, you know, being locked up in our houses and not being able to actually see other people or play with other kids or things like that. And so that's where that kind of course really helps. But beyond social emotional skills, there's a lot of 
different topics that are really needed right now. And that's where we kind of pivoted to focus on those things from health literacy and, of course, financial literacy that continues to be super important during this time. So we had all of those things that we were offering. We also decided we knew we had to come in and offer these courses not only to teachers, but to caregivers as well, because now we're seeing adults were falling into the place of having to be, have a second job as teaching their kids in their households as well. And that's a huge burden for them to bear. So we did. We jumped into that space. We made our resources widely available and accessible and continue to grow our catalog in areas that we think students needed right now. So in fact, I'm currently working on a financial literacy course for healthcare. So if you think about we knew a time like this is going to be highlighting the need to understand how our healthcare system works, how to avoid medical debt. So this course is aimed at tackling that directly. We don't shy away from those topics because we know that students need those things. Kids need to understand these things before they get into a bad situation. And adults do too. I mean, I've all, I, you know, while, while you're developing those courses, I can tell you as someone who helps take care of my 93-year-old mom, who is fortunately in good shape, but has had some medical issues in the last few years. And the one thing I certainly learned that is that if you don't have an advocate for you, you're, you're done. You, you have to be an advocate with everything involved in the healthcare system for the elderly. I mean, that's just how it works. And you go into that situation. And even if there's a long-term care insurance contract or whatever is there, you have to learn and you have to be able to know kind of the tricks of the trade. So anything that you can be teaching for those of us in the sandwich generation, so to speak, that are dealing with the healthcare of our lives and our kids, as well as, you know, our parents, it's critical. And, and just, just, I'm really, really glad that you guys are covering that area. You really are just, you know, circling the globe with so many important things. Speaking of important things, we're taping this the day after the Super Bowl. I'm not going to get into anything regarding sports, but those of you that know me know that I am from the great state of New Jersey. So I will say that Tom, congratulations to Tom Brady on winning his seven Super Bowls. And I'm sorry that the Giants and the Eagles kept you from getting 10. But anyway, we'll skip that. So let's talk about EverFi partnering with the NFL, because I'd really love to hear more about that. I love that UBS has gotten very much into working with athletes and entertainers and has a terrific program with a former NFL player running it. So what are you guys involved in there? Yeah, we have a great partnership with the NFL and United Way. We've been working with them since about 2016. We launched a national education initiative that was focused on youth character development and healthy relationships. So growing up and having those support systems, but also being those support systems for each other, being good people. So the course, the character playbook focuses on socio-emotional learning in middle school and the high school years. So we know that this is a time that students experience a decline in kind of self-esteem or school engagement. And interventions like Character Playbook create kind of this universal language for social-emotional learning that can bridge gaps that exist across genders, race, socioeconomic lines. And these kind of programs also support the development of socio-emotional learning in low-income students and support the family and community efforts that make sure that this poverty that they are living in isn't something that they are dealing with for the rest of their life, that they can grow beyond that and be successful. And they also help students do better academically because if they have those support systems, they're a lot more likely to do better academically. 
So in just the first year alone in 2016, we reached 88,000 students. And this past school year, we hit more than 250,000 students across more than 2,500 schools. And in addition to that character playbook, the NFL is also investing in sponsoring schools for the EverFi 306 African-American history course. And like I said, the course covers key points in history and measures attitudes and behaviors related toward being a conscientious citizen, um, contributing to your community, joining a group, volunteering for your community, confidence in like standing up for what's right. And they've sponsored this program across the last few years and reached about 13,500 students, I want to say. And also UBS has sponsored that program as well and reached schools across the country. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. You know, it's so critical. And I know from my experience on the Board of Ed and, and having financial literacy taught in our high school here. And when they first started it, they didn't know who to give it to. And one of the uh, history and economics teachers in our high school, I knew real well, who actually was the track coach, really wonderful man. I had done a program with him years ago that we did on CNN, where we did a program for kids and we did some stuff with CNBC. And, you know, they were trying to figure out the curriculum for financial literacy. And, you know, while we're talking about that, I just just wanted to maybe jump and ask you a little bit about that, because, you know, you mentioned there's about 25 states there's, you know, that are starting to do this and different age groups. And where do you think we need to get to? I mean, we, we have to get to a point where. I mean, this happens all the time. My my partner and I are meeting with a client's 401k plans employees, let's say, and on age, on average, many of them are, let's say, millennials. And we hear the same thing over and over again. Oh, I don't know anything about money. Mm-hmm. Oh, my boyfriend will help me. My girlfriend will help me. My dad will help me. Oh, just tell me what to pick. Tell me what to do. What is a 401k? You know, all of these things that honestly, I didn't learn growing up. I didn't learn in high school. I didn't learn it in college. I learned it in this profession. But it's so important that they have this education, that they just get the basics of this. So I think if there's if there's anyone listening right now that really wants to jump on this, obviously, we'll talk about the program with UBS in a minute. But to, for, from EverFi's perspective, like what's a really quick way if you want to just, you know, you've got a 14, 15 year old and they're not getting any of this anywhere. Where do they start if they were going to go to EverFi? Yeah, definitely. If they were to go to EverFi, I think a lot of this, like I said, the schools aren't necessarily mandating it, but we're allowing them access through teachers, through caregivers right now as well. And I think it's starting with basics. You know, we're starting with being able to go into a bank and have a conversation, being able to understand what a bank account is and why that's important to incorporate. Don't be unbanked. That's a big cause for having financial issues in the future, a known research issue there. So there's a lot with just finding out the basics and understanding what's happening in your life next. So don't worry about something that is 10 years off if you haven't figured out tomorrow yet. So let's think about what are you going to do? You're using those payment apps, right? You're, You're sending money to your friend. Do you know how to do that safely yet? 
you've already, you're already using it. Do you just know how to use that yet? Do you know how to read those terms and conditions and know how you're protected and how you're not protected? So I think starting with the systems that they're already involved in, learning more about those systems and then using them more responsibly is going to be really important just to get them a little bit of confidence in themselves to be able to say, okay, well, I did this thing well, I can go ahead and do this next thing really well. But also having that culture, kind of what you said earlier, like having that culture of being able to talk about these things with trusted adults in your life. If you're able to talk about and find trusted adults that you're willing to talk about, then you can work out these issues without feeling kind of like this isn't for you. I once went to a high school event where we were talking about investing in the South side of Chicago. And all of those students looked at me like, this is, I don't know anyone who works in finance. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's not a great place to start. Right. But that doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to participate in the marketplace. This is why it should be interesting to you. And this is what it means for your future if you do start taking an interest in this. So build your foundation. Once you have a strong foundation and support system that you can talk through these issues with, then learn about the next step that you can do. I love that. That is solid advice. You know, in this space of financial literacy and financial education, which I've been kind of playing in over the years, and I've been involved in a financial literacy website for a number of years in the past where I was doing videos. And I also got involved with my alma mater, GW, and I know you guys are down in DC. And there's a woman down there who I just have to mention because she's kind of a real hero in this space. Her name is Anna Marie Lusardi, and she's a professor at GW. And she invited me after many conversations to moderate a major conference on campus that was shown on public television about financial education. And Professor Lasardi puts out these surveys all the time. And I don't know who reads them, but I know that I do. And recently there was one showing about global economies. And despite all the obvious differences, we all share one thing in common. Our citizens lack financial literacy. In fact, two thirds of all adults worldwide are financially illiterate. And here in America, folks that are listening, you're probably thinking, oh, we're probably, you know, in the top five and we're, you know, we're great. Well, guess what, folks? We are 14th in the world in this critical area. 14th in the United States of America. It's unbelievable. And honestly, what bothers me so much beyond this from the survey is that as of 2021, there is still this huge gender gap, not just you know men and women, but it exists amongst the old and the young. So that's a long walk around to asking you as we begin to wrap this up today, what are some simple ways to improve financial literacy? Can an individual improvements affect the population as a whole? I mean, I really, really lose a lot of sleep over this, Siha, so please, Please help me, help our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so there's several things that you can do and, and starting at the very basic, something that everyone has access to, which is being able to talk about these issues. So that one's really big to me. You have to talk about your finances without shame, whether it's a teacher, a guardian, caregiver, 
you've got to let go of some of that shame and know that you're not going to have all the answers. You may not have made all the right decisions in your life. That does not mean you are not qualified to start that conversation. You're not qualified to look up things with your kids or with your friends or whoever it is that needs that kind of help carrying the burden of finances. Because if you're carrying that burden alone, you're going to feel stressed out. You're going to feel overwhelmed. It leads to divorce. You're going to have a myriad of other like negative things that are happening to you. And you asked if an individual improving can help the population. It can because it's never just an individual if done right. You have to include your whole family, your trusted friends, coworkers, financial professionals. You have to be able to seek them out and have a conversation with them. It's about creating an environment where talking about financial issues is not taboo, um, but rather considered the norm. This is something that we all kind of deal with, kind of like how we do with relationships, right? We're willing to say a lot about our relationships, which is really private and a little uncomfortable. And it's not rocket science. It really isn't. (laughs) Trust me, folks. I was, you know, those who listen to the show know that I was a media guy. I worked for Larry King. I worked on the love boat. I mean, I had this, you know, kind of seven or eight year career in media before I got involved in this business. And I'll be very honest, I didn't come into this business with an MBA from Wharton, as my dad did. And I was able to learn. I was able to get educated. And it really, the basics of it are not rocket science. And it's so, so critical. So I've got a tradition on this show, and I always end with this question that I borrowed from kind of one of my other heroes, Tim Ferriss, from his book, Tribe of Mentors. And he asked this question to, oh, I guess about 200 people, celebrities, entrepreneurs, CEOs, successful athletes, all, all uh, entertainers, all kinds of folks. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get your shot right now. All right. <laughs> so you're granted a giant billboard. All right. Giant, giant. You can leave any message to the world to see right now. And they're going to see it. What would it be and why? So I don't think I have all the answers. So I will use someone else's amazing words here. (laughs) That's okay. Most people have actually. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So Rita F. Pearson, the lifelong educator, once said, every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists that they become the best they can possibly be. And I think that, and it explicitly talks about children, but adults, I think everyone deserves someone who believes in them and understands that they can be better and grow and be amazing. And I would love that message to really sink in with anybody who sees that billboard. (laughs) And you actually said something a few minutes ago, which I think takes the words that you just delivered and shortens it up a little bit. And I don't know, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to start another podcast and just call it finance without shame, because that really, that's at the end of the day is the big problem. And that's one of the things I'm really proud about at UBS, because financial education is a top priority for many of our clients you know, a huge amount, and their families here at UBS. And UBS has partnered with EverFi over the last, I think, six or seven years to offer a complimentary service of online courses that runs from elementary school through high school, college, and really very importantly, young adulthood. And these courses are self-paced. They're designed to educate and empower families to work towards their financial goals, to start having these critical conversations. 
You got to have it. Have family meetings. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you could do. So if you're interested in learning more about the client course, please feel free to contact me directly. Or if you're working with another UBS advisor, hit them up and let them know that you heard about the program with EverFi and that you want to learn more. And you can certainly check out EverFi's website. There's uh, so many things that you guys have on there. Um, it really is kind of Netflix for financial literacy. So Sneha, thank you so much, first of all, for taking time today to really help me as much as I can with this topic, because it, it really is honestly one of the most important things for us to survive honestly, for the survival of the species, we better figure all this stuff out. So thank you very much for being here today. I also want to thank Sarah Guys at UBS who helped make this happen and Megan Peck, who is with EverFi. We really appreciate that. And I, as always, let me thank my folks at Resonate Recording who will be doing a quick turnaround and get this edited so we can get this out to you and you can listen to. And remember, when saving for your own financial future. And this is a great piece of financial advice that I learned years ago, and it's so true, and I say it every week, but pay yourself first. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. 